y'all remember last week, I'll briefly go over last week what we talked about. We were kind of we're coming on the tail end of having communion and talking about uh, Jesus being the, the bread of life and eating his flesh and drinking his blood and how kind of strange that sounds to us. And it sounded even more strange to them back then, especially knowing that they were going to have to give up everything that they had believed, that the Jews had to give up. We're going to have to completely give up the old covenant in order to, to move into this new covenant. Um, and if, if, if you've ever been told everything in your life was about to change, like everything you've, you've been brought up in and believed in was about to change and you were going to have to believe something else, this is the mindset that they are in. I mean, this is huge. This is radical. When Jesus is saying, when he gives the parable about the marriage, when, when, uh, when your spouse dies and you can remarry, he wasn't talking about marriage. He was using that as, a, as an example, saying this old covenant is going to pass away. There's not going to be a temple that you go and worship in. There's not going to be an outer court, inner court, holy of holies. There's going to be a new covenant coming. You're going to have to let go of everything from before and move into this new covenant, and I'm the only way there is what Jesus was saying. I'm it. And you, you will have to eat my flesh and drink my... You will have to enter into covenant with me in order for this to work because this other one's passing away. And he, even, he was very blatant in saying, you cannot do that unless the other one dies. In other words, if your spouse dies, you can remarry. If, you, if the old covenant is no longer, then you can enter into a new covenant. Now, this, this teaching is hard. This is what the Bible says. They said, um, <laughs> this teaching is hard. And many of them turned away. The Bible tells us that many of them left. Lots of his disciples said, okay, we're going to ease back to the back here and we're just going to kind of exit the building because we don't know if we're ready for this. We, we don't know. And this is where a lot of confusion comes from. And I don't want to get too far in this about eternal security and not and all that kind of stuff is that people weren't really bought, they didn't really buy into this. They, they kind of, they liked that he did miracles. They thought he was a good teacher, a good prophet, but they weren't sure about the whole son of God thing, <laughs> the whole supernatural thing. And, that's the main thing. Like we've said before, either it's of utmost importance or it's of no importance. It can't be just kind of important. It is huge. Um, when, we, when we talk about Jesus being the way, he is the way. He's the only way. And so for them, they had to completely <laughs> turn away from everything they knew. Judaism as a whole was not going to function the way that it did before. Now, all of those things were of value. It's not that they were just all thrown away. They were all types and shadows of Jesus. They were all good. Same way the law was good. It just didn't have the power to make us good. It was just and holy. We just, it would just lead us to a place where we needed a Savior to make us just and holy. So, um, so on the, on the, I'm kind of trying to wrap up what we've been talking about up to this point. So a lot of them turned away, and, and Jesus turned to his disciples and said, uh, Hey, do you guys want to leave too? <laughs> and Peter answered in John 6, 68, he said, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Like, where are we going to go? There is, there, he got it. That's why later on when he says, on this rock is where I'm going to build my church, there was, I don't want to get into all that, but there's Petros and Petra. There was Little Rock and Big Rock. Peter was Little Rock. The Big Rock was the, the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. When Jesus said, on this, on this rock I'm going to build my church, it was on that truth that his church would be built, that Jesus was the only way. So he's saying here, Peter recognized this even then. Where else are we going to go? You just told us the old covenant is going to leave and we'll have nothing else. You have the words of eternal life. So Peter recognizes this, so he says, no, we're not going anywhere. Now, Peter messes up a few times in between here and then, uh, but, but he says, well, you know, where else are we going to go? Um, but what I, what I wrapped up with towards the end of last, or the end of last week, the message last week was that your words carry power. Do you all remember that? In the beginning, you know, in 
And John, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. When we look at Word, the word logos, which means Word, and it's used in several different ways throughout Scripture in the Greek, it can mean just spoken word, words. It can mean word in Scripture, and it can mean uh, the, the physical manifestation of Jesus in the earth, the Word made flesh, right? So the, the logos, the Word, is not just words. Now, we talked about it last week that your words carry power. You can build people up and you can tear people down. We all know that. Now, for the Christian, it goes a little bit deeper than that. For the Christian, the Bible says, where you go, Jesus breathes on them and says, you have the Holy Spirit. Where you go, if you forgive people of sins and their sins are forgiven, if you retain them, they're retained. Wait a minute. <laughs> did, did you hear that correctly? He's saying, when you carry the Holy Spirit, you guys, you, you have the power because of the Holy Spirit that's in you to forgive people of sins and retain them. That's a lot of responsibility. It really is. Now, what he's saying is, look, you, because of the words that you carry, the Holy Spirit goes with, you can, you can give freedom to people or you can keep people in bondage. God's given you that power. Can you misuse it? Yeah, you can misuse it. We still have free choice. Don't, don't misuse it. Have you, I don't want to get too far down that road either, but I've been, I've been parts of organizations and been in conversations with people that use it for, for the wrong reasons, that hurt people with the Word of God. And I don't get it. Um, I, I say I don't get it. I, I, mo most of all that I've experienced is somewhere there's good intentions behind it, but what ends up happening is they, they push people further away from the truth and bringing them closer because they don't, they don't base it on a relationship. They base it on a law that, that has already been fulfilled in Jesus. The problem with law is if you take it to its end, you can't fulfill it. I mean, you can't. As much as we want to, we want to. We have a desire to. We just can't do it. All right. So the Logos is the word that God spoke the world into existence. If you remember, we talked about last week. The world was in chaos. There was nothing there. He brought order. He spoke order and peace into the world. Um, let's see. At the very end of, the, of last week's message, I talked about, you know, you have power. You, you have power in your words. But here's, here's what I want to kind of get to this week and kind of moving forward. It's not just spoken words in Logos. It's also actions. Now, I've heard... I've heard other sermons, and, and I've probably preached some in the past when I was ignorant of it, trying to, trying to make these two things mutually exclusive, and they're not. They're both and, not either or. Your spoken words carry power, but your actions carry power as well. So I don't want to try to separate those as though, well, you know, kind of the proof is in the pudding. Well, I'll see how you are by your actions. Well, your beliefs will determine your actions, and those will follow your words as well. So it's both and. Your words carry power, but your actions do as well. How many of you have been hurt by someone that was silent? Listen, your silence can carry just as much power as your words. If you, if you distance yourself from somebody and you essentially, what do the kids call it, ghost them when you ghost people? <laughs> when you ghost somebody, listen, that can hurt. That can hurt deeply. When you, when you ignore people because for whatever reason you've been hurt, and we talked about this in my office this morning, you are operating from a place of hurt, not a place of, of life, which is in Christ. I've seen this a lot. It's one of the hardest things to try to teach my kids and the young people that I see around. And I, sometimes I hang out in youth on Wednesdays. I'll bounce back and forth between, uh, between Buddy and Brian teaching and seeing some kids growing up. And I'm so far separated from that because I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, but I see kids, and as, as much as they've grown up in understanding identity in Christ and, and kingdom and revelation of sonship, there's still a tendency to want to find acceptance in people around us, right? And I see it in them. And and I, I try, that's such a hard thing to teach is that you don't operate from a place of lack. We don't walk around operating from a place of lack that other people have to fill us. 
Now, we see that happen around, but Christians shouldn't operate from a place of lack. You don't find, you don't abide in people, you abide in the vine, right? So when we abide in Christ, we should be adding things to relationships, not trying to take things from them. We're not operating from a deficit. So when we talk about logos and, and power and spoken word, it's not just word, it's in things that we do. It's in actions that we have. We watched the video, and I don't know how it popped up. I normally watch, like, you know, car and truck videos and stuff on, on YouTube, or I watch sermons and stuff on YouTube. And somehow it popped up. There was this, this uh, tribe. It was north of Australia somewhere. And uh, it was, like, back in 1998, and this French explorer came, and it was the first time this tribe had ever seen a white man. And they thought he was a ghost. Like, they had their bows drawn, and, like, they were about to take him out. And he's just trying to communicate with them, and they're, they're, they've never seen him before. And it took a while to, to express there's no, there's no communication with language at all. Neither spoke the other's language. But he would, he would hold his hand out and just offer salt, and, and, and eventually, you know, they would come up and touch. And a couple times, you know, they had, the, they had a, uh, like an axe with a stone, and he talked about through the thing. He was narrating. He was like, these are pretty deadly weapons. And at first, they thought he was like a walking dead person, but he slipped on a bridge, and that comforted them. They're like, I guess ghosts can't fall. <laughs> so they came up, and yeah, and they touched him. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think about when, Jesus, when, when, when Peter was talking to Jesus and he was walking on the water. He was like, if it's really, they thought he was a ghost. If it's really you, say it's you. And I'm like, a ghost could have told him the same thing <laughs> if it's a ghost. But anyway, I digress. But anyway, so they come up, and anyway, over time, he shows that he's friendly, you know, and he expresses, and he, he, they go through different things. He shows them matches. They're trying to figure out. I mean, it was a huge jump for them. To, all this is brand new. And so they begin to communicate, and they become friends, and they learn each other's names through, you know, different things like that. So there was expressions, even before words were ever spoken, that they cared. They were being nice to each other. They were caring for each other. And so I thought that was interesting that that popped up out of nowhere as I was studying this. Um, I was like, I, I guess that's the Holy Spirit because I don't normally look up anything like this. So, but I thought it was interesting that there was, no, there was no communication through words, but there was communication through, through body language and, and different things like that. So there's times when we, we come into contact with people that all you have, and here's what I think intimidates, especially when I used to be a youth pastor and I would teach kids, the biggest intimidation was that they would, they would not know enough. Like that they would get into contact with somebody and begin to tell them about the Lord and then they would not know enough scriptures to explain themselves and to, to argue their point. Have y'all ever suffered from that? I remember being there too at a time. Like I don't, if someone came to me and tried to, tried to debate me, I would never tell them about the Lord because I was scared that I would not have enough information to back up what I was saying. The problem with that is the Lord never asked you to back up everything that you're saying. That's the Holy Spirit's job. <laughs> Listen, yeah, it, you do it in your actions. and it's, it, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but the whole point is we're to express the love of Christ in every way through words and through deeds. It's not one or the other, it's both in. Let me get through the scriptures and then I want to come back to this because I'm kind of jumping ahead. Luke 10, 25. And this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows this is a parable of the Good Samaritan and everybody wants to be a Good Samaritan. But most people don't even know what a Samaritan is. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now remember, this is an expert in the law. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that phrase in and of itself is an oxymoron. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But that's a, that's a law, good law question he asks. So Jesus responds with the law answer. What is, it writ, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Since, since he wants to take it upon himself, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. Now, he could have left it alone here, but the guy goes and says, uh, this is the expert in the law. He says he wanted to justify himself. Once again, he's looking at himself, not at Jesus. He wants to justify himself. So he asks, and who is my neighbor? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus replies like it always is. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> so Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of, clo- of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, so he avoided him. So too, a Levite, <clears throat> excuse me, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, so he avoided him as well. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went, <clears throat> he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, replied the one who had mercy on him. Now, he could have easily said the Samaritan, but he didn't say that. He said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, if we read that at surface value, that sounds like a um, pretty self-referential, get-out-there-and-do-it-yourself kind of scripture, right? Go, go do that. Go be a good Samaritan. But you have to realize who he's talking to here. Look at the bookends. The very beginning of this, he's talking to an expert in the law. He's telling the expert in the law about a man that's beat up and pushed on the side of the road, and then two other experts in the law, Levites and the priest, who were part of the hierarchy of the, of, the, of the time. So both of them avoided him, but a Samaritan who this expert in the law and the priest and the Levite would have hated. It would be equivalent to a radical racist today. They, they, they considered them as less than or half-breeds. They didn't like the Samaritans. And so he's telling an expert in the law, listen, in order to... In order to really do this, you're going to have to do what this guy did, but there's no way that he could. The only problem is this guy couldn't do that. This expert in the law would, could not do that. But this is what the law brings us to at the very end. We realize that we can't do it on our own. We need somebody else. We need someone to do this for us. I think this is the same reason when Jesus met the Samaritan at the well, he told his disciples to get him some food. I think he did that to make them feel uncomfortable going in a place where they weren't used to going because they were the same way. They were... They hated Samaritans as well, and so he sent them in there, and when they came, when they came back with food, he was like, you don't understand, <laughs> and he gives them another story. I think he did that on purpose so that he could talk to the woman. Listen, Jesus does this over and over and over again to show us that there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no white, black, green, there's no, there's no difference in any of us. There's no, he even says there's no male and female. Listen, Christ is in and through all of us. And not only that, he is showing them the same thing that we talked about last week, that this old covenant that they were so bound up in was about to pass away and there was something new coming and it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for everybody. This wasn't just for them. This was for everybody else. These are radical statements to say to people and for him to say, go and do likewise. This guy would have, would have not succeeded in that, to say the least. Listen, you can go and try to do good and you may for a while. This is what behavioral modification does. This is what religion or law will teach you, and it will keep you doing good for a while, but you'll fail eventually. 
The difference between outward constraint and inward transformation is the heart behind what we do. This is the same way, the same reason Jesus didn't send us a new set of laws written in stone somewhere. He came and walked and talked with us and saw what we dealt with and what we went through. And he wrote that law in our hands while he was side by side with us. I've given the example with, with me and Gabe. <laughs> I would bring Gabe up on stage and I would walk around with him. This is what the Holy Spirit is in us. And he moves with us and he walks with us and he talks to us. The, the difference in us trying to do it, and that's what religion tries to mimic a historic God where relationship is constantly interacting with God, walking and talking with God. The, the thing with your neighbor, what he's trying to show him here is, you don't want me to tell you who your neighbor is because it's going to be the one you least think is your neighbor. <laughs> your neighbor is the one that you don't want to be your neighbor, the one that you think is less than or not as good as. Whatever, whatever you've got in your mind to be your neighbor, it's, it goes much further than that, much deeper than that. It's the heart behind what you're doing. You're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> You don't, you don't understand what you're even saying is basically what he's saying. And so he, he, this flies right in the face of a religious leader or an expert in the law because this doesn't fit the paradigm in which they live. This is, this is why when I began, I know even in the early stages, when I began to understand grace and freedom, it was a little frightening. I even talked about after worship. When you've been bound in a system that you're comfortable in the same way the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt, are you trying to kill us out here? They were getting Krispy Kreme every morning, like manna was falling from the sky. Like, and they're like, we want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt. He's like, oh my gosh. Why is that? We do the same thing today. Let me go back to something that draws the lines for me because that's easier. Because this relationship thing can get hard. Listen, we talk about it all the time. Religion is neat. Law is neat. Relationship is messy. If you don't believe me, get into a relationship with somebody. It doesn't always go the way you plan. Things change. Listen, Trace and I have been married. Oh, I'm going to mess this up. Uh-oh. 18 years. Yes. I, sometimes I speak and I go, why am I saying this? I may not remember it correctly. 18 years, and we're not the same people we were when we got married, are we? <laughs> we're not. There may be some attributes that stuck around, but for the most part, we've both changed over the years. I don't expect her to be the same person that I married. We've grown and we've, we've seen things and we've experienced things. This is how relationships work. If, and, and Brian has actually been talking about this and is going to talk about it when he comes back from Honduras, um, about some of the younger ones are starting to date and, and you know, spend time uh, with friends. That's the best I can do. It's hard for me to say boyfriends and girlfriends. Trends 15 is still hard. <clears throat> anyway. But they're beginning to date, and it's, it's good that we know that they know who they are when they get into those relationships because if we have this idea that when, when, when they get older and they get married that, that if things don't go the way they, they want, then they just want to bail on it. I just want to get out. That's not how relationships work. Listen, the, the, reason, why, <laughs> the reason why relationships should work and marriage should work is that it's a covenant, not a contract. I talk about this every time I counsel people before I officiate a wedding. And even during the ceremony, I talk about the difference, and I learned it from Mark. Listen, a contract is something two people enter in that they don't trust each other. But a covenant means that I'm 100% for you, and you are 100% for me. That's, that's, a, that's a relationship. This is what Christ demonstrated for us so that we could demonstrate it to other people. When we talk about logos and, and our words and our actions carrying power, it's not just yours. It's him working in and through you. I know I sound like a broken record with the R&D thing, but it's just receive and distribute. We are, we are conduits for the Holy Spirit. We receive, if you are lacking in, 
in patience. We talked about patience. If you're lacking in patience, where are you going to find that? You can look to yourself or you can look to him. He's got an abundance. So you're not, op- you're not operating from your own bucket of patience. You're drawing it from him, and he's got an unlimited supply. Listen, love is not just affection. We talk about agape love. It's unconditional. It's not based on what somebody else can give to me. It's what I can give to them. You don't possess that on your own. Listen, when he says, <laughs> I love this, they love, you, they love because I've, that you love because I first loved you is basically what he's saying. The reason he's saying that is because you didn't have the agape love until he gave it to you. We didn't, we didn't understand what agape love was. So you can't operate in agape love without him giving it to you. I'm not good enough for Tracy on many levels. But there are times when I've got to go to the Lord and say, okay, I've, you've got to do something here because I don't, I, don't, I don't possess the ability to be the man that I need to be for her. Same way with every other relationship that I go into. When I feel weighted and heavy in a relationship or if I'm hurt, listen, I go to him and he goes, okay, here is healing. And then I can go back to that relationship and I can bring healing. I'm not looking at them for healing. Does this make sense? This is why in, in our lives we should look to con- continue to. You should be the life of the party. Like, <laughs> not saying you need to just like, yeah. But I'm saying when people come in contact with you, they should be uplifted when they leave. Not by your own abilities or your great personality. And you may have a great one. But by the Holy Spirit that you carry. You don't have to explain it. The thing I talked about with kids being intimidated, adults are intimidated too. I may not have all the answers. He didn't say I have all the answers, just love. Love the Lord and love your, neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And until he sent the Holy Spirit, we couldn't even do that. So when we receive the love that God has for us, that agape love, and we give it to other people, you can take a deep breath and go, that's okay. Listen, you can't argue, you can't argue the Holy Spirit out of me, <laughs> right? And you can't take away what God's done in my life, and he can't take away what he's done in your life. Is it important to understand and learn scriptures? Yes, it is. Study and learn scriptures, but each of you are gifted in different ways, and each of you, most of us in here are not called to be a, a Bible teacher or a pastor. You are called to lots of different areas, and this is where I've seen a lot of churches go in the wrong direction, trying to just tell everybody to go into ministry school and, and just be pastors, because not all of y'all are called to be pastors. Not all of us are called to do the same thing. Thank God. Some of us are called to go to Honduras. <laughs> and preach to the nation. Some of us are called to go locally and preach to the people that are around here. Some of us are called to just help people. Listen, I'm encouraged every time I... I, (laughs) This is something simple that means a lot to me. When I come into the church, and I know many of you help around here, and I see someone has volunteered, and I've not even asked to trim the hedges or to uh, spray weed killer on the blacktop so the weeds don't come up and destroy it. Listen... Those, those things are not, are not um, lifted up and praised enough. When you come in here and it doesn't smell like dirty diapers and trash because somebody took the trash the week before. Listen, this is why the Bible, when, when we talked about even moving and being filled with the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> when they talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and then some of them spoke in tongues later on, it talks about they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they served one another. Listen, we don't need to paint a picture of what that looks like. We're all gifted in different ways. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and let love lead in everything that you do. From that place, this is what I love about grace. It frees you from being self-centered and trying to fix everything in you because God's already done it. Now you can actually focus on the people that are around you and not be self-referential all the time. Well, I need more. I need better. I need this. No, you need Jesus, and now you have him. Now what are you going to do with him? You've got the Holy Spirit. Now what are we going to do? 
That's why we say grace puts us in a peculiar position. If, the, if it's done, if, if we believe in the finished work, like we talked about last week, we sing about, we never sing about, Lord, <clears throat> please die, be, please be crucified, or Lord, please, please be resurrected, because we know that's already done. But we'll, a lot of times in the past, I would sing, Holy Spirit, come. He has. <laughs> and he's here with you all the time, every moment of every day. When you're driving, when it talks about praying without ceasing, pray. And I keep reminding you, don't close your eyes when you're driving and pray. <laughs> Worship. You don't have to close your eyes when you're doing it and you're driving because we're on the road too. When you're, when you're in your office, when you're at work, there are plenty of times to praise. There's plenty of time to pray for people. Not, not even being awkward all the time. Just building people up. Just being encouraging. You don't know what that means to somebody. When the Holy, listen, when the Holy Spirit puts somebody in your heart, don't take that for granted. There was, and, I, and I've, I've said this, and, and thankfully Julie continues to remind me, it's all, not just most, that I would always say that most of the things that I've, as I've grown up in the Lord and understand how the Holy Spirit moves, that most of the things I've found are less coincidence. Now I'm realizing that none of them are coincidence. They're all, they're all him trying to show me something. <clears throat> These moments that we find in time, I could have ignored Lydia singing about freedom, even though the Lord was leading me in that direction, even though I may not get to it today, what the Holy Spirit did with her singing was amazing and touched me. I'm, I don't, hopefully many other people too. But those things, you don't take those for granted. When the Lord puts somebody on your heart, call them, text them, reach out to them. Listen, on the way to church, and this is something that I'll, I'll probably be thinking about tonight and tomorrow just because it's just, I took a picture of it too and I sent it to Tracy. On, on Fowl River Road, of all places, there was a peacock in the middle of the road. And I thought, that looks like a peacock. And I was like, no, it's probably a buzzard and like something dead he's eating. <laughs> And as I got closer, I was like, no, it's a peacock, and he's not moving, so I got to slow down. And this peacock just, like, calmly walked across the road, like, until I had to stop, come to a stop, and then go by. And all the way to church, I was like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> I've never seen a peacock come out there. And as I, I, I came to church, I started thinking about the phoenix and beauty from ashes, and all these things started coming to mind. And I was like, wow, what a nice little thing that the Lord gave me. You know, well, just a little reminder. And it's like, it was just a peacock in the road. You know, I could just look past that and be like, that was weird. But I think, I think the Lord speaks, speaks to us through those things, just like Jesus says, look at the lilies, look at the birds, look at all these things that are around us. Lord's not done speaking to us. He's moving. He's showing us things. Be aware of them. He might throw a peacock in the middle of the road. <laughs> Listen, I've told y'all, and, and, and I, I love these stories, and I, I kind of wanted to get, man, it's already 12 I kind of wanted to get through this and do some testimony stuff, but that ain't going to happen. We'll have to do it when y'all get back from Honduras. We'll just have a whole testimony service. Um, oh, man. <clears throat> All right, God is action. Let's, let's look at this, and we'll close with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and this is the message version. It's one of my favorite scriptures. There's so many. They're all my favorite scriptures. I love the message version. The way Eugene Peterson puts this is really cool. And I've normally focused on different parts of this. I've just seen something pop up this morning. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. <clears throat> it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And I've skipped over that recover your life part just to get to the other part, but think about that. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, he is showing us day by day how to live this life of freedom. We say, well, 
well, if I'm free to do whatever I want, (laughs) well, that means I can do bad stuff too, right? Well, yeah. I mean, do you want to do bad stuff? Well, no. Exactly. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. And if you do, then that, that should bring up to the surface what's going on really in your heart. Listen, if freedom leads you to do something wrong, that's not good, but it's good to see. It brings it immediately up to the surface to see exactly what's going on in your heart. Law doesn't do that. Law says don't do this and do this. Don't do this and do this. And takes, takes all the relationship out of it. What relationship does, which can be messy, is you have to walk with someone through some of that junk. That's hard. If you've ever walked with someone through something where they've gone off the deep end and and gone the wrong direction, that's a hard thing to do. But the most important thing that you can do is walk with them through it and bring them out on the other side of it, not just abandon them and cast them out as though you're no good anymore. You're worthless. What, What does condemnation do? It pushes them further and further away. <clears throat> Listen, I've been, I've been on the receiving end of that, and I've also been around other people that have been on the receiving end of it, and there's nothing that makes me more angry than that, than when a church wants to, wants to build walls around people that have made a mistake in their life when, when all the Holy Spirit wants to do is make reconciliation. Amen. And it makes me mad. Because what that's saying to that person is that they're worthless and they'll never be whole again. And the truth, just like... <laughs> just like that peacock in the middle of the road, is that he is making beauty from ashes. And he will take the worst situation and he will make it into something good. He will, not you. You can't do it. It's the giving up of ourselves and grabbing onto something. Grabbing onto something greater. You have been given the spirit of reconciliation. You've been given the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. What are we doing with it? Are we focusing on ourselves the whole time? Well, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that, and I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. Well, yeah, that's okay. Receive healing in those places. There's nothing wrong with it. But there needs to be a time in our lives where we begin to be looking outward, not inward. And the Holy Spirit should be prompting us to do that, constantly living out, not looking in. This revelation of of having, of, of having, can we talk? Of the kingdom of heaven and access to it now, that we're not just waiting to, for God to snatch us out one day and hiding in a corner. When Jesus said, look, I'm praying for you guys that you are not taken out of this world, but that I'm going to come and be with you to the end of the age. And he says, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to pray, my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we doing with that? That's the only thing that I see as the logos, the power of the word of God that goes out, done in words and deeds. Listen, the freedom that we have is is that we can approach the the throne boldly now because we have grace. That we don't have to second guess and get saved every Sunday. (laughs) You're good. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're good. You don't have to stress about that. He's not leaping out of your body, evidenced by him going, even when you go and join yourself to a harlot. He says, I go with you. Listen, he's not intimidated by your sin. He's there to make reconciliation and make, make things better for you so that you can reach out to other people and make things better for them. Amen. The problem we've had is we put our attributes on God instead of putting his attributes on us. We're trying to, trying, to see, trying to see people through our own perspective instead of seeing through his. Listen, one of my favorite, and most of you know me, one of my favorite things to do is take, I love, I love vehicles and 
motorcycles and anything with a motor. And I love things that are old and, and making them into something different or, or, or making them look new or just changing them in some way. And I see it's kind of a gift and a curse because I end up with a bunch of broken things. I buy a bunch of old junk and I fix it. And the kids wanted to ride something. They were like, Daddy, I want to ride something because I've spoiled them because I just have motorcycles and dirt bikes and stuff. But everything's kind of broken right now. Like both the dirt bikes are messed up and the gator's broken. And like I got the gator for free and I fixed it. And I got the dirt bikes cheap because I fixed them. And now I got to fix them. I was like, I need to get nice and down and work on all this stuff. But, uh, but I, love, I love that the Lord has shown me that the same way I see potential in those things is the way we should see potential in people. Seeing things... Um, like from the end to the beginning. So when I see something, I already see it finished, even though it's not done. If I see a car, I see it the way that I think it should look before, it's ever, before a bolt is turned. Listen, the Lord showed me something. I want to share this with you, and then we'll kind of wrap up. The Lord showed me something, uh, and this was brought up the other day in a conversation. When I first began to, when, when I got saved when I was 20, I began to read Scripture and try to play catch-up because I never, I was wild and never even looked, I didn't like reading I didn't read the Bible, and I'm trying to catch up and learn all this stuff. And I was frustrated because I've got ADD, and I can't concentrate. And the Lord revealed something to me early in the morning like he does because it's the only time I'm resting because I'm always doing stuff. He woke me up about 3 or 4 a.m., and uh, he gave me, he just said, EJ20. And I was like, what are you talking about? And at the time, I'd been studying about some different things. And since I'm into cars, EJ20 is a motor, an engine code to a, a Subaru engine, a horizontally opposed engine. And it took me a little while to decipher his little code, but I'm thankful that he gave it to me because I kind of chuckled when I realized what he was talking about. And all the Lord was saying in that simple statement was, you remember what you want to remember, and you remember what you care about. And you'll spend the time and effort on things that you care about. You just need to decide what that is. He wasn't making me feel bad about the car stuff. He was just making me realize that I, I am smart, <laughs> you know, because at the time I felt like I'm a high school dropout, you know, I'm not going to college. I'm not worth anything. And from, from that, little, that little statement of the Lord and the Holy Spirit moving in and through and, and teaching me something, that led me to the place that I am today in, in the workplace and in church. He gave me value when I saw no value in myself. And he showed me something that I thought that, I, that was unattainable. I didn't think that I could learn. I didn't think that I could focus enough to actually see something. And he showed me something that was very real to me. He showed me something that I could remember. And after that, I started rattling in my head. I started rattling off all these other things that I knew about cars. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I got a study Bible, a teen study Bible. And, I, and it, the teen, I don't know if you remember, it was like a paperback with a wave on the front. I've still got it somewhere. It's got stickers all over it. But it, it showed me the context of what was going on. It showed me who was talking to who. And it gave me an explanation of what was going on. Because I had no idea. They are talking about reaping and sowing. And I was like, I'm, my, I lived with my grandparents, you know, for a long time, and she would reap things and sow things. That's what I thought they were talking about. And they were talking about, uh, about planting, because I didn't know anything about planting. Same thing with Martin Luther. I was a youth pastor, and I've told you all this before, and two of the kids that were in the youth group were the pastor's kids. They knew, they knew more than I did. And they were, we were talking about Martin Luther, and I thought they were talking about Martin Luther King Jr., because that was the only Martin Luther I knew. <laughs> they were talking about Martin Luther, and I was like, now I know who it is, but back then I was like, they were like, who are you talking about? And I was like, who, are we not talking about the same person? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was like, what am I doing? Anyway, but it's great, it's great that, <laughs> it's great that, and I, I don't say that to, just to like say, 
oh, check, check me out. I'm saying that so that you understand that the Lord speaks to you guys in the same way. He, you may not know anything about cars and engines or anything like that, but there's something that the Lord can speak to you in a way. That's why I love how he meets us right where we are. Listen, if you need an emotional touch, he'll touch you. That's fine. If you need um, something intellectual for you to understand clear, he can do that too. He's not limited like we're limited. And in the same way, he can bring you to a place where no one else could reach someone and you can reach them. That's an amazing thing. <clears throat> so freedom love like this is true freedom. We're not looking for affirmation from people because you already have it inside by, via the Holy Spirit. You can add to relationships instead of always taking away from them. Listen, if, if, you, can, if you can see this in day-to-day life and see that, that the Lord can speak to you and he can speak to you about other people, it can open up doors that you, you thought were never, could never be open. Listen, there's a few people I just found out this past week that have lost their jobs. And, you know, I can do as much as I can as far as getting resumes and sending them out there, different things like that. But even more importantly, we together as a church, we need to pray. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit does something that we, can, we can't even do. Yeah. Because even in, I'm ha- we're having some, some different job issues too in our lives. And so we're praying for the same things. But at the same time, he can give, he can give us rest even in the midst of turmoil. Even when we think that it doesn't, everything doesn't look well, it's not our circumstances that define us. It's the one that we abide in, and that's Christ. So in the same way, we're not, I'm not stressed. <laughs> and I know in the back of my head I should be. Like, I really should be stressed, you know. And in the same way, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some of you guys, if you're dealing with some of that stuff, you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> the mortgage, mortgage company doesn't care that you're not stressed. But it's like, the Lord's brought me this far. I don't see any reason why he would change his character at this point. So that's what I want you guys to pray for. But anyway, good Samaritan is Jesus. It's not you, and you can't do it without him. That's all I got, and we're already over. Y'all stand up. Sorry, I kind of rushed through that, but hopefully y'all got something out of it. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that <clears throat> that we can reach out to to those that are around us, Lord, to the to the people that we come in contact with every day, even corporately as we leave to go to Honduras as a group, um, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is going with them. Lord, and as we reach out to people locally in the same ways, Lord, we go and we bring the good news and we carry uh, this, this awesome spirit that you've given us and we build relationships with everyone around us. And Father, I pray that we would see through some of the, uh, some of the mess that comes with it, Lord, that we would see the life in it and we would see um, your resurrection power in it, Lord, that we would go with the spirit of reconciliation and see that that's your heart for the people that are around us. And we would not be self-referential. We would look to those around us just the same way that you did, Lord, for healing, whether it's physical or in their marriage or in their finances, Lord, that you would bring that healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.